0: Welcome back to Overthinking Movies. I'm your Overthinking host, Brandon Hain. Well, to my co host Zach and I's surprise, Goalies 1 was actually a pretty engaging and enjoyable B movie. While I knew rewatching Goalies 3 was going to be a horrible nightmare, it gave me hope that Goalies 2 would, you know, at least be something decent. It was released in 1987 and featured a different writer and director this time, but was produced under the same studio of Empire Pictures. So, what changed and considering the ghoulies were a pretty minor part of the first movie they were more just like the minions of the main character how would they apply them this time zach and i were curious to find out so as usual we're going to give our general thoughts and then get into spoilers so just to get it right off the top I think Ghoulies 2 is actually totally fine. It's another fun little B-movie. It's not as interesting or as weird and out there as Ghoulies 1. It goes for something a little more conventional. But overall, I, I had a good time with it. I thought I think you felt about the same, Zach. Yeah,
1: I felt pretty much exactly the same way. Ghoulies 2 is what I expected Ghoulies 1 to be, with the ghoulies running around and murdering people throughout the movie. Ghoulies 2 is, like Bran said, more traditional, and it's fine. Well, okay, it, it's it's more than fine. I still had a fun time with it. Just the ending did kind of drag for me. Despite this movie being only a little bit longer than the first, I got a little bit bored by the end. I was just kind of waiting for the movie to wrap up. I, I never felt bored during Ghoulies 1. I was I was hooked on Goalies 1. But still, I would recommend seeing Ghoulies 2. Just not as good as the first one, but... If you want to have a fun time with some buds, it's it's a good kind of watch with buddies movie.
0: Absolutely for sure. You can find it on HBO Max as well as Amazon Prime, you know, for rental or buy, depending on what you feel like. And with that out of the way, of course, now we're going to get into kind of discussing the entire film and the major spoilers of the story. So to kind of get it off there, Goalies 2, as Zach said, is kind of what we expected Goalies 1 to be. The setup is... There's a carnival and it has a Satan themed attraction and the carnival is in a bad way. Because it's just not doing well budget-wise. And the corporation that owns the carnival has sent in the son of the manager to shut it down. He warns them in a week they've got to get the money together or they're gone for good. So, so the workers have to work overtime to save the carnival. And that's who our protagonists are, is a bunch of carnival workers. Who happen to be running a Satan-themed horror attraction, uh, dark ride sort of thing. That just so happens that's where the ghoulies end up. And hijinks ensue.
1: Hijinks ensue indeed.
0: By hijinks, I mean they kill people.
1: Well, I mean, by movie standards, that's hijinks. Oh, it's so wacky. Would you say (laughs) you felt the ghoulies were more threatening in this movie than the first one? I felt that, but only, like, only a tad bit. The ghoulies are actually holding weapons now, but still, they're just very small. But they they at least kill people in more ways than just put the puppet on the actor's face and have them ride around.
0: You're right, there are multiple scenes in the movie where you do see them pick up weapons and strike people with them, but there's also, I think, just as many scenes of them, like, grabbing onto the person's, like, feet and hands, and then their face, and then I guess that kills them because they just chew so much. I will say that they do at least use parts of the horror attraction to kill people, which... I mean, also kind of speaks to how unsafe that attraction was, but I guess it works out for the ghoulies.
1: Are you saying in your haunted attraction, you don't use a real guillotine or a real pendulum?
0: No, I mean, you know, I'd probably get something styrofoam or plastic. I mean, it may look phony, but that's better than something that might actually kill someone. But I guess that's what happens when you have a low budget.
1: This is the 80s. No one cared about safety.
0: Oh, well, th- I mean, this is very true.
1: That was back in the good old days where men were men or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean, I will say that, that there are parts of Gullies 2 that definitely do not hold up to modern standards in a way that I didn't really think the first one had. Like, obviously, it's a movie that takes place at a carnival, so they have some circus-themed type attractions. So there's at one point where they have a full sideshow going on of all of the different attractions, and one of them is, of course, the old one of the Hermaphrodite. And the other example I'd probably give is that there is one point in the movie when the main character larry who's the mechanic that works at the horror dark ride is talking down to nigel who's a little person a guy with dwarfism that is obsessed with acting and he's one of the best characters in the movie by far and there's a part where larry the main character is talking down to him and he calls him like derogatory terms for little person and that one did not feel right and two kind of made me dislike the main character (laughs)
1: Larry is definitely not a character that is as interesting as Jonathan from the first movie.
0: Yeah, he's fine. Like, his actor's not bad. It's more just like, I never really cared for the character. He was either middle of the road or just not very likable a lot of the time. Because really what carries this movie is the two supporting characters, that being Ned, the old man, who is a friend of Larry's, that helps him out with the attraction, and, and who is constantly drunk... All the time. But he also is the guy that speaks up to the corporations and yells at them for trying to take away their livelihood. He was a pretty fun character. He's also the one that discovers the goalies. He believes that he summoned them because he used to be a magician and believes he conjured them through some sort of act. So he feels responsible for them. But he was just one of the best acted and most interesting characters. And he was played by Royal Dano, who was, gosh, like a character actor in movies dating for at least four decades and he's just as great here.
1: Yeah, I would say he was the best actor and had the best writing in my opinion. He every time he was on screen he was the most entertaining.
0: Yeah, because I definitely felt like the writing wasn't as good as Ghoulies 1. A lot of the jokes just did not land at all. Because I really did like Phil Fondacaro as Nigel, the the little guy that is obsessed with acting. He's one of the characters with like a real personality that really like comes out of this movie as being somewhat memorable. But a lot of his dialogue just did not ring very well. It was a lot of puns or a lot of things that just didn't really stay with me.
1: Mostly quoted a lot of Shakespeare. Yeah,
0: which is fine. Just... I didn't really remember a lot of it, which I can say about a lot of elements of this movie, but none of it is bad. Besides I would guess, you know, the believability of the goalies themselves and their kills. <laughs>
1: The puppetry is better in this movie though. This movie clearly clearly has a much higher budget than the first. The ghoulies actually move in stop motion scenes that are clearly, what, what what would it be, like blue screen back then? I believe
0: it would be green screen back then. They have shots in this movie that the original did not have of the ghoulies walking around on their own and they're like little stop motion figures that they're moving frame by frame in front of a green screen background that they then superimpose into the movie and the lines where they're clearly on a green screen, are, of course, incredibly obvious. But, you know, at least it shows off that the movie does have a higher budget than the first one.
1: You could also tell by the haunted attraction with all the different props they had in there. Like, we, we mentioned a pendulum before. There's also a guillotine. Like, there's a sarcophagus and a mummy pops out of it and goes, boo, and then goes back down. There's some mechanical stuff in there. Yeah,
0: and also the goalies themselves are more clever and creative in this movie because they actually tie up one of their victims and make him into one of the mummies in the coffins, which I thought was interesting. To be fair, I think the reason for that was purely a contrivance, just so we can have the goalies adding onto the ride because later in the movie, the whole twist is that they end up making the carnival successful because people go in seeing all this stuff thinking it's just special effects and being like this ride is so cool and they make it all this money
1: well originally there's these two brothers i'm presuming and they go in and the older one's like oh this is such a dumb thing it's all obviously so fake and then they come across the i'm gonna call it the rat goalie, the one that shoots a sticky mucus or whatever They find that, and they're like, oh, there's this big cool rat in here. We're going to go tell the entire carnival. And of course, this being the 80s, the entire carnival of adults all circle around these boys. And then when the boys are like, come on into this ride, everyone just goes, okay. This one's cool.
0: Totally convinced by these two little kids going, guys, there's something really cool in that ride. And this huge crowd is just like, okay.
1: I almost forgot. The boy, the older one, threw a shuriken at the rat and it caught it in its mouth and started chewing it. I'm not surprised by the rat being able to chew the metal. That's usually a monster thing.
0: Where did this boy get a shuriken? That was completely out of nowhere and I couldn't really believe what I was seeing. <laughs> like, of all things, like, I can could, I could understand
1: boys of the 80s having like sharp instruments there's a typical teenage dude with his tunes that has a switchblade that the goalies end up stealing and using but who has a, a shuriken <laughs> That that threw me so off guard hey
0: zach who knows we weren't alive back in the 80s so maybe everyone was just carrying shurikens back then
1: i feel like with all the 80s nostalgic movies i feel like i know more about the 80s than the 90s the decade i was born in. to be
0: honest you're probably right because everything is just 80s nostalgia now, because it's all being made by people that grew up then. Uh,
1: The 80s never left. The 80s will never leave. Well, I shouldn't say the 80s will never end, because then we'll have the 90s and the 2000s and 2010s. What's 2020 nostalgia going to be like?
0: I mean, what's 2010 nostalgia going to be like? I guess for the Marvel films, but not really for much else.
1: They'll just reboot the Marvel Cinematic Universe.
0: I mean, it'll probably still be going. Yeah, it'll be just whittled down to Spider-Man movies because that's going to be the only thing left that people care about.
1: Uh, they'll have to go like Miles Morales or like someone after Miles Morales. Anyway, goalies.
0: <laughs> oh, oh yeah, yes, yes, goalies. Of course. I, well, I, I shouldn't say that this change of topic was out of disinterest, but it's mainly because goalies too is very straightforward. What ends up happening is that this group of like these punk teens and their girlfriends go into the ride. They end up getting cut by the goalies, and in most movies, you think that they would then like run out and like leave there. No, they come out and they go straight to the people running the ride and go, we're going to sue you guys. And they leave. And then what do you know it? Later in the movie, they come back with a cop and the cop is like, what's going on here? They say what's been going on. And they're like, our friend's missing. And, th- and we got cut while riding your ride and we're going to sue you guys. And But then... <laughs> In a twist, uh, the guy running the corporation, you know, the guy that was going to shut the carnival down, he walks in, talks to the police officer, bribes him so that they can get away with it.
1: Yeah, at this point, the ride, I believe they said the ride made more on that night than it had in like months. So Philip, the manager's son, decides to bribe the cop just so they can keep it going because, you know, he wants to make more money. I will say I was surprised with the manager's son when he starts hitting on the main character's love interest that that didn't get creepier. The manager's son is literally only interested in money, and I kind of felt that refreshing (laughs) in in a weird way.
0: Yeah, because we get that moment where the main character sees his love interest, who is one of the belly dancers who used to be a trapeze artist. She is invited into her trailer by the guy running the corporation, and the main character sees this happen, and we know it's going to be that thing where... There's a total misunderstanding of what's going on, and he goes to her and is like, "Oh, so you're hanging out with that guy now, huh?" But the movie actually very much downplays all of this, and the and the manager, as Zach said, he wasn't looking to sleep with her; he was just talking to her about business propositions. Because really, he just wants money.
1: <laughs> and when the goalies start killing people, he's like, "No, no, no, no! It's it's not my fault the goalies are killing people." Just let the ghoulies continue killing people and I'll continue making money.
0: And that's why I kind of thought the whole movie was going to be giving the corporation guy almost like a bit of a redemption arc where he eventually comes around to seeing the carnival and its people for the passionate and kind people that they are and he'll want to keep the carnival running. But no, he turns out to still just be in it totally for money and be evil. And then he has a very interesting and very ghoulies-themed death.
1: is in the toilet we will be getting there soon, Brandon. We'll be getting there soon.
0: Uh, Zach is, of course, referencing Goalies 3, which we will be covering next. But uh, t- to stay here in the happy zone with Goalies 2. <laughs> There's a number of character deaths. Among them is the old man, Ned, who is eventually killed by the Goalies when he finds a book of spells and attempts to use it to what we presume is summon the ghoulies away or get rid of them, but the ghoulies kill him while he's in the process of saying the spell. So later in the movie, as the ride gets completely out of hand, the ghoulies are killing too many people. The attendants of the horror ride see what is going on and finally see that there are these monsters inside. They do something pretty interesting. They go around to the other members of every single different attraction at the carnival since they're all like one big family and know each other, and they're like hey, there's something going on at the horror ride. We need your help. Bring a gun. And they're just like, oh, okay, yeah. As if this is, I don't know if it's a common occurrence, but I guess just something they're prepared for. So they all come into the ride, everybody from like every attraction with weapons ready to deal with the goalies. I just now
1: realized that guy didn't even need to provide evidence. He just said something's going on because earlier in the movie, Ned sees the goalies and he tries to tell Nigel and Larry about it. And of course, the goalies disappear and Nigel and Larry think he's just drunk. They don't believe him. But then, of course, they find out the goalies are real. Then when Larry goes around to the other Carnival members, yeah, they all just agree with him and decide to fight the goalies. And I was like, oh, I I just now realized that was weird, because normally in these movies, the Carnival people would be like, ah, there's nothing going on. Everything's fine. Although I suppose this is a Carnival of the 80s. Who knows what kind of dangers there could have been?
0: Yeah, they just take all of it at face value, which was also just weirdly refreshing, even if you might debate the sense of it. But they go in and they fight the goalies and... The goalies are pretty much indestructible.
1: You can't really damage them. Which then... Are we ready to talk about the ending yet?
0: (sighs) Uh... Yeah. I feel like we're at that point where we might as well get to it. So, the goalies escape the horror ride and they overrun the carnival and this is where it gets into what I expected goalies 1 to really be. It gets into full-on let's ape gremlins they're, like, running around to different attractions and goofing around with, like, the strong man, you know, hit the hammer and ring the bell and, and the, the shooting the targets game and riding around on the Ferris wheel on the other rides. And that one part where they they pull the bolts on, like, I think a Ferris wheel cart and it goes flying off and explodes. <laughs>
1: Uh, it's, it's not a Ferris wheel cart. It's one of those like spaceship rides where you can pull the lever up and down and you go up and down, but yeah, it, l- it launches off and just explodes. And that was great.
0: Well, cause it's a movie. I mean, it has to explode.
1: Yeah, that part, I had a lot of fun with it. I I haven't seen Gremlins, so I don't know how much of Gremlins it ripped off, but watching the goalies run around and cause havoc. Oh no,
0: I mean, even if it was aping Gremlins, it was still some of the best fun in the movie. I mean, to the point where, and I don't understand why they did this, but there's two occasions in this movie where they have the goalies acting really cartoonish. The first is earlier on, where two of them just like high five. And then there's a part later into this sequence where one of the goalies, gets into the boxing glove of one of those games where you like hit the target to ring the bell and the ghoulie with cartoon sound effects goes flying into the air and punches this guy in the back of the head while inside the boxing glove complete with like pow cartoon sounds. It was insanely ridiculous and not really matching the tone of the rest of the movie.
1: I do remember that cartoon sequence because I remember Brandon and I staring in disbelief at that scene going, that
0: was, that was like it was from a different movie. That was gremlins. That like, that was real cartoonish, but it was interesting and definitely got a laugh out of us. They did like do a good job playing around with them and having do goofy things on the rides, despite the fact that their budget isn't quite as high as the movie that they're trying to sort of take from. But this is what you would want out of a movie that is ghoulies in a carnival. Have them mess around in the carnival. But eventually the main character and his friends get a hold of the spell book that Ned was trying to use before his untimely death and he finally gets through and reads the spell. And the spell, okay, well it sort of gets the ghoulies away, but what ends up actually happening is that it summons a gigantic ghoulie from the ground that then starts rampaging through the carnival eating the other goalies, But because the special effects and the budget are low, they're mostly filming it with these close-up shots of its feet or its head to give the impression that it's bigger than it really is when really, you know, it's a guy in a suit.
1: I would say it's at this moment that I lost interest. He, he, like, eats each of the ghoulies separately and it's just sort of the same scene of pick him up and shove him in. Uh, the only time it gets different is with the rat ghoulie. There's the game where you slam the hammer on the, on the button to ring the bell, he slams the rat with the hammer before eating it. That was kind of the only time he did something different. Other than that, it was just grab-om, um, grab-nom.
0: And the pacing of it was very slow.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, it felt like they kind of were stretching it.
0: Yeah, it definitely felt like padding because it was mostly just like shot reverse shots of the same angle of the main characters reacting to the big goalie going oh god and then it goes back to the goalie walking around and then it goes back to them and then back to the goalie and it, w- it was getting kind of repetitive
1: then we get to the main characters having to fight the big goalie even though i could have swore it was a thing where whoever summoned the goalies had control but that's more of a goalies one thing goalies two doesn't really go into that but it is weird that to stop the goalies they had to get a different goalie and then beat that goalie (laughs) i found that odd i thought it was gonna do something where it eats the goalies burps and then just jumps back down its hole but no it then tries to eat the main characters
0: Yep, they got to find a way to give a big climax. So the big goalie chases them. They run into uh, the little guy, Nigel's trailer, and they're trying to find something to throw out the window or something in order to get it away from them as it begins breaking the windows. Eventually what they do is, earlier in the movie, Nigel was wearing a little monster costume inside of the horror ride to try to scare people, and of course that failed. So they instead... Phil, what I think, what was it? It was like a Molotov cocktail. They like put inside of his costume and then put it out there to attract the goalie. Yeah, because
1: uh, from the goalie's perspective, it looks like another goalie to eat,
0: and so it eats that and then explodes. And you're like, oh, cool! The day is saved, and we get a nice little epilogue scene where the main character and and the belly dancer girl get together and they they decided they're going to leave the carnival and start out on their own on their own lives and they're going to hand over the carnival to Nigel. I guess he's just going to take over the horror ride or make creative choices. Like, you know, like his whole arc was about wanting to become an actor, but I guess at the end he kind of abandons it and just accepts his life at the carnival?
1: He's probably going to do some horror acting in the horror ride, I would presume.
0: Okay, well either way, I hope the best for him because he was like that one character that like really stuck out to me at the end. I should also say that when they bring up that the belly dancer girl was a trapeze artist, they do have a payoff for that.
1: The the bat goalie steals the book of spells and drops it into the top of the ferris wheel. But the ferris wheel ride is stopped, so she has to climb her way up. She has to beat her fear of heights because uh, when she was a little girl, they were doing a trapeze thing. They were doing a trapeze thing, and her brother fell off and missed the net and died, and she told this to Larry, and this is when Larry and her knew that they were in love, because for some reason in movies, it's always the tragic deaths of family members that make people the most horny.
0: Yeah, their love arc is so forced and so forgettable. It's just like, yeah, she tells him this horribly depressing story about her life, and then they, like, immediately make out.
1: I will be fair, she is trying to make a connection with Larry, who is distressed after Ned being electrocuted by the ghoulies. And it's also after this point that Larry uh, gets ticked off at Nigel and says the things that Brandon was saying earlier. So it's not like Larry said this out of complete nowhere, but it is... Still not a very nice thing to do, regardless of if a family member just died or not. But, yeah, Larry was just, just a very typical main character. He just he just handles the horror ride with his Uncle Ned, and doesn't really do much more than that.
0: Yeah, we should also say that uh, the reason Ned is electrocuted by the electric chair from the ghoulies is because, at the beginning of the movie, he makes a comment about, oh man, you might as well just throw the switch on this chair, because... I mean, you know, set up and payoff. I mean, this movie has a fair amount of it. Yeah, that's
1: the kind of the best thing about this movie is all of the setup and payoff. Like Nigel wearing the suit, and the suit is used to trick the big gully into eating it so they can explode it with a Molotov cocktail.
0: It all ends up kind of coming together, even if the movie itself and its writing isn't necessarily great, but it's totally fine for what it's trying to do. And then of course, after all this we get our little tease. Oh right, because Earlier in the movie, the the leader of the corporation, after telling off all the people at the carnival because all he wants is money, he goes to one of the nearby restrooms. And as a homage to the original movie's poster and that scene from the original movie, he sits down on a toilet, but there turns out it was a goalie in the toilet. And we hear him scream, and supposedly the goalie I don't know, ate his butt and that killed him? I don't know. (laughs) I, I have no idea what they were going for there, but uh, that that kills him. And then, of course, because that goalie was still in the toilet, it did not get eaten by the big goalie. So we get a little ending tease where they show an exterior shot of that bathroom with a goalie laughing to say, "Oh, there's still one more left. We got to make another one of these." It was quite fitting that we end the movie with a shot of a bathroom to go into Goalies Three. Goalies Go to College.
1: Goalies Three is coming up. Brain's been building this up for years as the worst movie ever made, except I'm pretty sure it's just the worst movie he's ever seen. Because believe me, no matter how bad of a movie you've seen, you can always find something worse.
0: Yeah, it's true. And I wouldn't say it's the, maybe the worst movie I've ever seen. It's more that my experience with the movie was just so memorably agonizing that I would say that it's the worst experience I've had with a movie by far. It is really painful. And, I mean, on one hand, I never want to see it again. But on the other hand, since I'm doing it for this podcast, I'm curious to experience it again just to see how it holds up, especially considering I've now seen the other two. And the big red flag with Ghoulies 3 is that it's a direct-to-video movie, while these two actually got got, like, full theater releases.
1: The other big red flag, I believe you told me, is this is owned by a different production company now. Did you say it was Empire Pictures first, or it gets sold to Empire Pictures?
0: No, Empire Pictures produced Goalies 1 and 2, and then 3 was kind of handed off to, like, this direct-to-video company that, you know, didn't make any of the other ones, and just kind of brought the license back. And let's just say Goalies 3 is a very, very different kind of movie that takes it in a different direction, down the toilet.
1: I can't wait. Except I probably should be able to wait, but it's it's going to be the special occasion.
0: Oh, look, I just I just want to get it over with. I'm just going to end it here so we can watch Ghoulies 3 and then record that and be done with these Ghoulies movies.
1: I mean, Brennan, we can thank Ghoulies 3 for introducing us to Ghoulies because now we've seen 1 and 2 and they're actually good.
0: Yeah, it's true. So there is that at least, which does make me feel good that I decided to cover this.
1: Yeah, I would have never went into watching these movies actually expecting to like them. Because I'm typically not a horror kind of person. But I, I had an enjoyable time
0: with both of these. Well, don't get used to that for Ghoulies 3. Well, with on that, thank you again, Zach, for joining me for another divulge into the Ghoulies B-movie series that actually turned out to be okay. And I'll see you again in Goalies 3. Goalies go to college.
1: You think Alex will
0: join us for that one? No. I've asked him, and he said no. Just up front.
1: It'll just be the two of us. Actually, I shouldn't sing that because of copyright. It'll just be you and me, and me and you. That's also copyrighted. Uh, two buds, one TV, three goalies. Actually, never mind. I don't know how to end this.
0: I'll just play the sound of a toilet flushing and leave it there. Okay. That sound is a good allusion to what the quality of the Ghoulies films goes from from here. But in the meantime, thank you for listening. If you have suggestions for movies or movie topics you'd like us to discuss on this podcast, as always, you can send them to overthinkingmoviespodcast at gmail.com. And for more episodes of Overthinking Movies, as well as the other podcasts made by my team of talented co-workers, you can go to goldhitswkva.com, star967.com, or wchx1055.com, and click on the podcast tab at the top. You can also find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and anywhere you can find your podcasts. And stay tuned next time as this podcast descends into probably the lowest point we could possibly go to, which is Goalies 3, Goalies Go to College. But before then, I'm going to take some time to prepare myself. That's a wrap.